I think that we always should be questioning what we're doing. And when you are a very busy person that is forced to balance a lot of things, you have no choice but to question. But I would say it's important for everyone to do because then it really makes you use your time wisely and with intent and building towards something that you want to be in the future, personally, professionally. Hello and welcome back to another episode of the Knowledge Podcast by Wahoo. I'm Neil Henderson, head of Wahoo Sports Science, and I'm Sophie Lin, designer at Wahoo. Welcome, Sophie. You've actually been very close to this podcast in physical proximity for pretty much every episode we've ever recorded. Extremely close proximity. I pretty much stand outside the door or sit outside the door. <laughs> Are you peeking in? I, I always try to keep my focus. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm in the moment. Are you actually observing us? Oh, 100%. Good. So, so you know what we're here to do. We're here to chat a little bit, discuss some things. And this episode is going to be a little bit different than some of our other like specific sports science topics, but there's actually a lot of relationship to what we are going to be talking about in how athletes adapt to training and stress and manage all these things. Today, we're really talking about a work-life balance and how some of us at Wahoo try to find a good balance. So that's really kind of our high level, what we're here to discuss today. Dropping the knowledge on how to balance. Exactly. <laughs> or not dropping the knowledge, I don't know. <laughs> and, and sometimes, you know, you got to go a little over your edge and find where that imbalance occurs and realize, okay, can't do all of that. I need to, you know, kind of change focus a little bit and have different priorities to be able to maintain and get back into balance because it's not normal to never be unbalanced in life. It's a day-to-day battle for anyone, whether it's working and having kids or working and training or working and coaching or, you know, whatever else you're doing in life. It's always that give and take on a daily basis, whether or not you're living a balanced life or not. Exactly. There's there's times where it comes in and, and feels pretty good. And then there's times where it feels like what is going on? Well, let's get started and kind of like rewind a little bit and tell us a little bit about your background. So Sophie is an elite triathlete. She competes on the the world's biggest stages in the draft legal types of races. So not Ironman, not super long distance, non-drafting stuff, but the fast, quick races that take a little under an hour to some of them like pretty close to two hours, depending on the course. The baby races. (laughs) Yeah, they're the good stuff. I'm a triathlete. I started out as a, a swimmer and a runner back in Australia and came over to the US to to run initially. And once I had finished my eligibility um, running at University of Michigan, I was living with a girl at the time who was a triathlete. And I was like, oh, might as well give this a try. You know, I've got the swim background. I've got the run background. Let's just add in the bike. So started doing that a little bit and graduated from University of Michigan and then found myself working for Wahoo, which it was kind of like my dream job that I fell into. I didn't even know what Wahoo was when I was first contacted by them. And I didn't really want to give up triathlon or working. And now I am here like four years later after, you know, there's a lot of people that are like, you can't race and and work at the same time. And I was like, you know what, we're going to do it. (laughs) And, you know, you've, we've kind of made it work. So it's, that's kind of where I'm at now. And I'm designing for Wahoo. So if any of you have uh, Element Rival, I was primarily working on that through its launch. And now I very much work on the software side. Designing Wahoo products and, and racing simultaneously is basically where my life is at right now. 
did you do your first triathlon before you started working at Wahoo or had you started working at Wahoo before you actually competed in your first race, say post, post-collegiate? I, I believe I did my first triathlon before I started working at Wahoo. Yeah, yeah like a couple months apart. <laughs> so so may, maybe like eight or so months. Uh, I, was, I started doing triathlon in my second year of grad school and then obviously started working once I graduated. So it, w- it was fairly quickly both happened at the same time. So triathlon has almost grown with, with my work career simultaneously. I would say I have some similarities in that uh, when I actually applied for my pro license racing triathlon or elite license, wait, this is in the way back machine. Um, <laughs> 1950s? Uh, it was, uh, let's see, it was 2000. Yeah. So it was the year 2000. So, you know, Y2K, but I had a full-time job yeah. offer and my elite racing license all in the same week. And I was like, well, for me, it wasn't really an option of one or the other because the mm. level of, of athlete I was, was not quite at that highest level. I, I had, I had not really a pathway to go to the Olympics. I could race at an elite level and, and compete against other pros, but mm. I wasn't able to, to, yeah. to, to really focus on like exclusively that competition side. So I knew, you know, working was really the smart thing. And for me, it was actually a learning experience. And what I did in racing actually informed a lot of what I was doing as a sports scientist and a coach at the time. It was one of those things that it's a perfectly natural thing for me to think of. Yes, you can do both, though I know the vast majority in elite sport do not have both a career at a high level as well as their competition. So you yeah. are probably on the on the ITU circuit, probably one of the few, I would guess, that have an actual full-time career position as well as then racing at that level. Like it's, it's definitely not a common thing to do. And I, I wouldn't say it's the right thing by any means. It's just... I think for everyone, like for me, as you said, when you started out triathlon, you know, you had that full-time offer, you weren't making any money doing triathlon, you kind of had to do it. And and that was the same with me too. And even though I had ambitions and pathways, I wanted to have that job security and that autonomy on the side before I maybe got more serious about triathlon. And now being more serious about triathlon, I still don't want to give up that job, but it's almost out of necessity. And I think it really makes you put one foot in reality. Like it really gives you a good idea of what the real life is outside of just doing elite sport and kind of grounds you for progressing as an athlete generally. For sure. I I know, you know, having worked with a lot of athletes that have competed in in the ITU circuit and and many of them full-time, it's pretty easy to kind of lose sight of uh, things outside of the sports world. Yep. And so within the context of working, training, racing, and, and just general life, like what do you think the benefits are for you in, in that having both a professional career and professional competition and racing career as well as a professional uh, vocation at the same time? So I think that there's the age old saying of like, my results aren't my identity or my sport isn't my identity. And that's a really, really hard thing to live by, especially when you're just racing. And something that I definitely struggled with a lot because I raced very competitively from a very young age, going up through college, going through all those pathway programs. And I genuinely do think that having that professional job on the side does make it a whole lot easier when triathlon isn't going well. And when things are hard or, you know, you don't have a good workout or you don't have a good race, I come into the office and 
although there's so many people that support me and, and want the best for me here from a racing standpoint, like they don't care at the end of the day if I win or lose or if I've had a terrible day. They they like me for who I am and they value me for who I am. So it's really easy to like switch off that side, having a full-time job. And like that's a double-edged sword, you know, like having that whole other area of your life, it sometimes feels like it's competing and, you know, that, oh, am I half-assing both by trying to do everything all at once? And, you know, that's like, that's like a daily evaluation that you're like, am I doing this right? And I think you need to have, if you're going to really like push the boundary on doing a lot of different things that require sort of different areas of you as a person, you need to have a really good support network around you. And like it sounds cliche, but you need to have those people that you really value and trust and they will call you out for when you're maybe not balancing it right and you start you know dropping balls and things like that it's like you have to have that around you if you're going to do this to to make sure that you're maintaining balance and also just to be an external perspective sometimes you're actually doing okay and you might think that you're not because of little things that are going on but from an actual external perspective you're doing all right so yeah I, I think that there's there's huge benefits in terms of identity but then there's also yeah You've got to balance it and you've got to maintain that uh, overall perspective of your life that like you're doing okay. Definitely. And uh, I, I don't think anyone would ever, ever accuse you of not being driven and not really committing in both of these areas and being, you know, really at, at the sharp leading edge in, in both. Um, what do you think some of the like bigger difficulties that you've had really in, and again, this, in the role that you have in, in both, you know, a foot in both worlds with both, you know, high expectation, high demand. What are the kind of biggest downsides that you've, you've felt? I think that, you know, that there's sacrifices that have to be made with training and work and, and competition. You've only got a very limited amount of time outside of that and you have to spend it incredibly wisely. And sometimes that time needs to be spent by myself when I want to be socializing with other people or doing things. So, so I think that's definitely potentially a downside. I think that you have to reframe everything that's a downside into into something that's more positive, being like, you know what, this is only temporary. This is like a choice that I'm making right now to pursue these two vastly different things that are still connected and inform one, other, one another, but at their core, you're sitting at a desk versus like out on the roads training. And know that like you're on a path and that this is a temporary thing and that you know there's there's going to be a time where you can enjoy those other aspects of life so that that's the biggest challenge for me personally is just sort of getting your head around even though you want to do everything right now you have to just like put on the brakes and really like have some specific goals and and I'm by no means perfect at it you know it's <laughs> it's only natural to straight from that but yeah that that's probably the biggest challenge i would say yeah i've asked sophie the past couple of days if she wanted to go skiing with me early this morning early at our local ski mountain go up and do some skinning early and, and she stayed committed to the the sessions that she had so that she was wasn't really able mean. to make it, it this was really week mean. and i mean i feel only slightly you know slightly hurt by by her <laughs> Not being able to say yes, but I do also understand. And I know that a couple of weeks ago she had family in town and had a, a good week out skiing and, and being able to do those things. So it's just a matter of like choices and when it fits. So I won't take it personally. I know that yeah. you know some other day we'll be able to get out and, and do a little skiing. Yeah, yeah. No, and, and that's, that's a prime example of like you just, you know, 
when people are very driven and very focused on certain areas, no matter what areas of your life that is, you know, you just got that personality type that you want to do everything all the time. And I think that at its core, whether it's late racing and working or, or something else, you do have to step back and make sure that you're prioritizing certain things, getting enough of like family time, of your solo time, of time with friends, but also staying true to the goals that you've set out, which is not isolated to training and work. It's it's life. Exactly. With, with that in mind, like when you think about work, detaching from work, for a lot of us that aren't racing with that same level of intensity and, and things that you're at right now, we use our activity and sport as that complete like detachment. You have then like another series of, you know, different expectations in what you do as actual training in that regard. So are there other things that you do to try to detach from work that aren't in, you know, specifically in, in sport, you know, through swimming, cycling, running, or strength skiing. training and skiing. Okay, <laughs> skiing. No, like, uh, like skiing is for me, like, or being up in the mountains generally is like 100% my happy place. I think that it's honestly finding training that is more unstructured, so aerobic sessions and making them into to time for me. So that's going on the gravel bike, riding with um, my boyfriend, Alexi, and our dog, Willie, you know, running with friends that aren't triathletes and are in different circles like that, you've got to incorporate the time to rejuvenate within the training because there's, there's just not enough time to do it outside of training and work. So I think that's a huge thing is incorporating that social time, that relaxation time into your training sessions where you can so that you can really focus on the key sessions and, and know that that's not potentially going to be what like recharges you exactly. mentally. Yeah, no. And I, I used to do that with some of the triathletes that I coached here, you know, in the winter months. Again, it's harder being in Colorado compared to somebody who's in like a, a warm location, whether it's you know, mm-hmm. Arizona, California, Australia, yep. wherever. It's It's a little bit different here, but I think the opportunities uh, were really big in in being able to go up and go skiing, you know, at least once a week or twice a week doing Mm -hmm. even more cross-country skiing for those guys. It was just a little bit better fit for what their, you know, skill set and, and, you know, experiences were and going up and doing that just provided an ability to get some of your general endurance training, but in a completely different environment in a way that has no pressurization, expectation, any of those things that you can have if you go for a run that's mm-hmm. just mm-hmm. you know the same kind of thing and especially in the winter when it's cold and the, the footing is maybe suspect all those things and again you shouldn't be measuring every session yeah like that especially when the goal is just getting that general endurance and being able to have an enjoyable experience mm-hmm. as part of it is cool yeah I, it's almost like the idea of double dipping like and i feel like that's that's my entire life is double win, dipping win. <laughs> yeah it's like Uh, I go out training and I learn something about a user or how we would use a product and then I incorporate in that into a design and I'm like sweet double dipped you know you go out for a run you have you do it with a friend that you're really close with so you have the social time and the aerobic time sweet double dipped like that's that's almost the whole like goal I think right now like on a daily basis it's like what can I double dip (laughs) how many double dips can you achieve today (laughs) oh that's pretty excellent so you would probably say that, you know, big picture, the work that you do at Wahoo is informed a bit by what you're doing in training and racing as well, right? That there's like a, a positive give back to your work from what you're doing. Yeah. And I, I think that's like a whole philosophy at Wahoo is that everyone here really lives the product. Like we, we're not just making hardware and making software. Like we're truly 
all athletes in one respect or another, whether it's a weekend warrior or like someone that's like a, a professional athlete or anyone in between. And when you really live the product and you live the company, it really like motivates you to to want to create these really good products. So whenever I'm out working out, I'm always thinking about what other features can we have? I'm talking to other people being like, what do you want to see on our bike computers or our software or our watches and those types of things. So it really does help inform and, and it keeps you really close to our end users when we're potentially we don't have the time to do the research because we're always moving quite fast. Just like everything, I think there is still a double-edged sword in that you know you want to be careful of your biases, that I'm designing a product. I'm going to want to design a product that I want to use as a professional athlete and that might be different to someone that wants to use it as a, as a more casual athlete and I'm curious actually about with coaching and sports science, like, do you think that coaching sometimes creates a skewed perspective of sports, of like how you address the sports science issues, or do you think it informs? And I have a feeling it's similar to the design kind of conflict. For sure. There's, again, really good opportunities that that experience presents in, in coaching and working with athletes. One of the things is like the kind of athletes, the kind of sports that you're involved, that I'm involved with. I I have a little bit broader range than some coaches in that I've worked with cyclocross athletes. I was actually a swim coach first. I did track and field and actually worked in that realm. I've worked with professional ice hockey teams in terms of strength and conditioning and explosive sport speed power, and then track cycling. Again, the range, we have sprinters that are, you know, 2000 plus watt sprinters that are hundred kilos that are totally different animal than a, you know, 55 kilo endurance, you know, focus athlete. Same, same. And so for me, it's like one of those things of looking across all those different perspectives and outside of even some of the sports and activities that have had that, that closer relationship, learning and reading from, you know, some of the other sports that are out there and what is going on is, is some part of that process. I also, you know, tend to think about that, okay, like training sessions and and workouts and things like that. There's something that I, I pretty much have never asked athletes to do something that I haven't tried to do myself. Mm. I can't say that I've always succeeded in some ways or my output is clearly very, very different. Like I've done sessions where Rowan is like, this looks impossible. I'm like, it's kind of close. Um, I've done it though. And, you know, again, my output might be 50% less than his or something like that. But I have that understanding that also does help in that way of, okay, I'm not going to ask people to do something that I haven't actually personally tried and sometimes failed. Like, okay, this isn't possible. Like I've gone back and and changed the way I've I've, uh, approached certain things. I've never done a grand tour though, like something like that. So working with Rowan when he was focused on that or some of the other athletes that I've coached that have had success there, it was, okay, I'm going to have to learn from from the athlete themselves, from other coaches, from others who have done this and and just try some different things. Like I'm always a open to trying something and occasionally failing and realizing, okay, that's not the best way to do it. Like I can tell you a couple of times with a few athletes that that didn't work. We know that and we won't be repeating that. So don't worry. Like we've, we've both learned and yeah. sometimes, you know, moving in that direction is okay. If you always stay safe and never take a risk, I don't think you're ever going to actually achieve and understand things at a greater level. So mm. I think that's not necessarily answering your question directly in that way, but I think keeping a a big picture view and looking at how others respond to the same kind of thing is, is, you know, part of that process as a coach and sports scientist of looking that not just my own personal use case, but how these other individuals are using these tools and 
where are they finding the value or, or what's difficult for them? What isn't working? And it's, you almost have to look at it that every, every facet of your life, whether it's your life or my life or someone else's life too, even though you coaching an individual athlete like Rowan and, you know, writing a system workout um, for, uh, is very different and there's very different use cases, it's all a cheat, like it's all moving towards the same goal and one is informing the other and it's just like, yeah, with training and designing, you have to visually look at it like it's all informing one or the other and it's helping one or the other. Even if you're failing at one, that failure can hopefully help, you know, the other the other discipline that you're working towards and that failure is not a bad thing and, and finding the line too. Like that's really a unique thing and, and almost a privilege as well to find that personal line, to find the professional line. Most people don't get to dance along it, but I feel like we're, we're two people that do and it's a interesting place to be. It's not always the place you want to be, but it, it results in some pretty amazing things and, and some growth internally. <laughs> Absolutely. There, there are some days that are uh, harder than others and you kind of look, think about like, man, uh, should I be doing this? Oh, you know? yeah. oh yeah. <laughs> Having that question every now and then is okay. Like every day, I don't think you're probably, you're probably not in the right uh, balance. You're, you're out of balance if every single day you're asking that question. But if it's coming up, you know, every couple of weeks for a day or two, maybe, yeah. Yeah. you know. And, and it's having the people around you that are reinforcing that it's okay to question it. And it's almost a good thing to question it. I think that we always should be questioning what we're doing. And when you are a very busy person that is forced to balance a lot of things, you have no choice but to question. But I would say it's important for everyone to do because then it really makes you use your time wisely and with intent and building towards something that you want to be in the future, personally, professionally. So in, in talking about balance, I think we both would walk away from this conversation thinking that, okay, having balance is a good goal, but knowing that occasionally you're going to be out of balance. If you have a few things going on, if you have some pretty high goals and, and, and different areas of your life that are, you know, have high expectations, goals that you're going to have some challenges along the way, but to be able to be successful there, you have to have a team of people that you can be grounded by both inside one realm and another, you know, that work and sport that, you know, you may have some overlap, you know, it's not always going to be, you know, you might have a little Venn diagram of people that like have yeah. a really good <laughs> understanding of both. And then you have some people on one side that are you oh, know, yeah. only from one perspective <laughs> oh, and then yeah. another group that is only the other perspective. And then maybe somebody that doesn't have any overlap with any of them might not be a bad group of folks to have, whether that's family or other friends. A huge takeaway, I think, from this is that you need that group of people around you and, and from all four groups, either side, the ones that overlap and then people that have nothing to do with it. It's like when you're when you're checking in with yourself, whether you're doing this balance okay, the people around you are going to help guide on a daily basis, in like a bigger picture basis on like what you're doing right. And if they're, they're good friends, hopefully what could be improved upon? Let's keep there this go. positive. There we go. Exactly. <laughs> and that's, again, all part of it. Well, Sophie, I really appreciate your time here coming in and, and speaking with us today. And I would say this is probably not going to be the last time you all are going to hear from Sophie. Uh, you can check out her results if you go to the uh, ITU triathlon websites and we'll see her competing in the coming weeks, months and years for sure. Yeah, I'll, 
I'll keep uh, peeking through the window in the meantime until I get my invite back. So look forward to it. Excellent. And uh, we might have to bring in Sir Willie the Wiener next time. So if you're on Instagram, you can you know check him out as well and get a little insight. Nice into... plug, nice plug. Exactly. Get a little insight into part of Sophie's world as well. Yeah, he's, he's got a lot to say, that one. He's in the he's kind of in the overlap. He does come into work a lot. He also does train mm. a lot. So yeah, he, he understands me. He's, he he's does. very much in the center of that Venn diagram. Yep. Yep. He's a, he's very good emotional support on all fronts. <laughs> Perfect. That's why I have a pack. I, I have so many emotions. I need three dogs. One one dog won't, won't contain all my emotions. Neil, this is for another time. <laughs> all right. Well, with that in mind, that is another episode of the Knowledge Podcast by Wahoo. We thank you for joining us and we will catch you next time. <laughs>